Our first scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Romans, chapter 14, reading verses 10 through 13. Why do you pass judgment on your brother or sister? Or you, why do you despise your brother or sister? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then each of us will be accountable to God. Let us therefore no longer pass judgment on one another, but resolve instead never to put a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of another. This is the word of the Lord. Our second lesson this morning comes from the word of our Lord. It comes from Matthew chapter 7, beginning at the first verse, where Jesus says to us, do not judge so that you may so not you may be judged. For with the judgment you make, you will be judged, and the measure you give will be the measure you get. Why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye, but do not notice the plank, the log in your own eye? And how can you say to your neighbor, let me take that speck out of your eye when you have a log in your own eye? You, first, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. Do not give to dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before the swine or they'll trample them underfoot and turn and maul you. Ask and it will be given to you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who searches finds and for everyone who knocks the door will be opened. Is there any among you who if your child asks for bread would give them a stone? Or if the child asks for a fish will give them a snake? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others as you would have them do to you. For this is the law and the prophets. Amen. And let us pray. Lord, thank you for the gift that you have given us of this day, of the privilege of worship. worship. As we settle ourselves before you, we give you thanks for the opportunity to sit beneath the teaching of your word and pray that we will have open hearts and open minds to hearing what you have to say to us and then living into that truth in such a way that we will reflect something of your grace and glory. This we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. In our Sermon on the Mount lesson this morning, Jesus gets very practical. He gives us two don'ts and two do's. His first don't has to do with don't judge one another. And in a word, he says, don't. Why? He says, do not or don't judge others so that you may not be judged. For with the judgment you make, you will be judged. And with the measure you give, you will get. That kind of sounds a little bit like a family saying that I grew up with and we continue to refer to of fair to fair and same to same. Now, 
being the youngest of four and the only boy, my same to same wasn't always the same as my older sisters, but my parents always made an effort to be fair to fair. And that proved itself as we grew older, we'd go home for Christmas break, and I'd immediately start looking at what my brothers-in-law were wearing because I knew that I'd get the same flannel shirt that they had on. <laughs> so when Jesus applies this fair-to-fair -fair and same-to-same -same principle to our judging of others, he's not saying we shouldn't have courts of law or judges or juries. Nor is he saying that we should abandon our critical factory, faculties of discernment, distinguishing truth from error, or goodness from evil, or right from wrong. But what he is saying is that we are in no position to judge one another, particularly in matters spiritual or eternal. It is God alone who knows the verdict for each of us, and we know that Christ alone is the one who sits on that seat, and he is the one who came not to condemn us, but to save us. Jesus here is speaking to us about individual relationships, our interpersonal relationships. He, he's teaching us how we are to view one another and says quite plainly, don't be so harsh and critical in your estimation of others. Instead, be more understanding and generous with one another. This really is a rephrasing of some of his earlier teachings. Recall in the Beatitudes, he says, therefore, blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. In the Lord's Prayer, which we just prayed, we pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Fair to fair, same to same, measure for measure. So if it is our hope for God's mercy and forgiveness of our sins and transgressions, we must also be merciful and forgiving of others' sins and transgressions. Our relationship with God influences our relationship with one another. And as a result, we see here that our relationship with one another also influences our relationship with God. So if we hope to be forgiven, we're called to be forgivers. One morning after a, preaching a sermon on the parable of the talents, a woman shook the pastor's hand and said, thank you so much for your message. I have now discovered my talent. Really, he said, what is it? She said, criticism. <laughs> I, I can be more critical of others than anyone I know. So what should I do with it? And without missing a beat, he said, go out and bury it. <laughs> We're not called to be critical of one another, are we? Jesus gives the example here of the critical spirit when he's talking about seeing a speck in a neighbor's eye while we have a log in our own. And he ends by saying, you hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. We know our own human nature well enough to know that we tend to be more critical of others than we do of ourselves, particularly in those matters that we know are our sins, our faults, our foibles. 
There's great truth to the saying that we don't see things the way they are, we see things the way we are. And so Jesus gives us this commendation to first do the necessary self-examination, the log extraction from our own eyes before we look too closely at the speck in our neighbor's eye. And ironically, when we do that, we often find that that speck that we've noticed in the other isn't really worth mentioning at all. So in this teaching, Jesus is he saying to us that we shouldn't be discerning, that we shouldn't be discriminant of others and their actions? No, I don't think so at all. To the contrary, I think he is insisting that we be discriminant in his second don't. He says, do not, don't, give to dogs what is holy or throw your pearls before the swine. Now, I will confess to you, that's a difficult passage for us to unpack. But what I believe he is saying is we must be discerning with our words and with our actions towards one another, knowing when to engage and when not to engage, when to speak and when to keep silent. There is a right time, there is a right place, there is a right way for us to speak truth to one another, to step into one another's lives to help, even a right time and place to share the gospel message. But falling in line with what he has just said about judging others, we all know that there are ways that we can speak truth to one another that is far from being kind that there are ways that we can offer advice or assistance to one another that is way more critical than it is helpful. And even there are ways that we can speak the blessed good news of the gospel in ways that sound a lot more like condemnation than they do offering the free gift of salvation. We're called to be discerning enough to wait for the right time to say the right word or to take the right action in the right way so that it will be gladly welcomed, that it will be appreciatively re received as a great treasure that it really is. So putting a finishing touch on his two don'ts, he offers two do's, beginning with do ask, do seek, do knock, for everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, everyone who knocks the door will be opened. Plain and simply, this is Jesus' invitation to us. It's his encouragement to us to pray. And about what should we be praying, what should we be asking, he doesn't say, does he? It's almost as if the content of our prayers is not nearly as important as is the relationship we have with God in the conversation. He's told us earlier that we don't need to heap up empty phrases like the Gentiles do who think they'll be heard for their many words. So we don't need to badger God in our prayer, but we are encouraged to ask, to seek, to knock, Simple asking receives. Simple seeking finds. Simple knocking opens doors. I mean, consider this, how often we lie awake at night and think about our problems, and we talk with our friends about our concerns, and we muddle through life's difficulties. 
But how often do we pray? Jesus here promises unconditionally an audience with our Heavenly Father. And all we need do is ask. Now, admittedly, we all know people who have asked and sought and knocked and then been disappointed when they don't receive that which they're asking for. We are those people. We understand that. I've sat with many faithful people, as I'm sure have you, who have offered fervent, heartfelt, desperate prayers which seemingly were not answered, or at least not in the ways they wanted. And I wish I had an answer for that. I don't. Perhaps that's a topic for another day. This question of the unanswered prayers of the faithful is one of the great mysteries of our faith. But Jesus doesn't seem concerned about that here in this particular teaching. Rather, he seems more concerned that his followers aren't bold enough, aren't confident enough in their faith simply to take advantage of one of the great privileges and blessings of being a child of God, that being the privilege of prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pains we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. So do Jesus says, pray on, child of God. Pray on. Jesus' final do in this lesson really could be the capstone conclusion to the entire Sermon on the Mount when he says, in everything, do to others as you would have them do to you. For this is the law and the prophet. He says, he sums it all up in this way. And in a very similar way, you've heard me say, when in doubt, do the loving thing in the loving way. So Jesus takes this teaching to say, we can know the will of the Father for others most of the time simply by consulting the desires of our own hearts. So when you aren't quite sure what to say to someone or what to do for someone, Perhaps we can start by simply asking ourselves, what would I like them for me to do? I would like, what would I want them to do for me in that same circumstance? What would I hope they would say to me in my time of difficulty? And then do that. That may prove to be the most loving and helpful thing you could ever do, even if that doing was not a doing at all, but was simply a being. Let me close with this story, which I believe captures the essence of both of these do's and don'ts that Jesus is teaching on. In his book, The Ragamuffin Gospel, Brennan Manning tells the story of Fiera Fiorello, that's a hard word for me to say, LaGuardia, same fellow who was uh, named for with the airport in New York. Mayor of New York City during the days of the Depression and throughout World War II. He was a colorful character. Five foot four, always wore carnation in his lapel, but he was undaunted enough that he would ride the New York City fire engines and he would 
go along with the raids of the speakeasies with the police department. He was known to take entire orphanages to baseball games. And when the newspapers were on strike, he'd go on the radio and read the Sunday comics to the children. So one bitterly cold night in January of 1935, Mayor LaGuardia turned up at night court in one of the poorest wards of the city. The mayor dismissed the sitting judge for the night and took over the bench himself. Within a few minutes, a tattered old woman was brought in to him. He was, she was charged with selling, stealing a loaf of bread. She told the mayor, now the judge, that her daughter's husband had deserted her, that her daughter was sick and her two grandchildren were starving. And despite her pleas, the shopkeeper from whom the bread had been stolen refused to drop the charges. It's a bad neighborhood, your honor, the man told the mayor. She's got to be punished to teach other people here a lesson. LaGuardia sighed. He turned to the woman and said, I've got to punish you. The law makes no exceptions. $10 or 10 days in jail. But even as he was pronouncing his sentence, he was already reaching into his pocket. He extracted a bill and tossed it into the top hat he was famous for wearing, saying, here is the $10 fine which I now remit. And furthermore, I'm going to fine every one of you in this courtroom 50 cents for living in a town where a person has to steal a loaf of bread so that her grandchildren can eat. Mr. Bailiff, collect the fines and give them to the defendant. The following day, the newspapers in New York City reported that $47.50 was turned over to the bewildered woman who had stolen the loaf of bread, 50 cents of that amount being paid to the red-faced grocery store owner while some 70 petty criminals, people with traffic violations, even New York City police officers, each of whom had to pay 50 cents for the privilege of doing so, gave the mayor a standing ovation. I love that story. So often we think of judgment of others in a negative, cynical, critical, demeaning way. And so that's how we practice it. But what if we thought of our judgment of others in a positive, uplifting, life-giving way, as God does us? Of course, Jesus says, don't judge at all. But if we must, let us judge as God judges. This God who is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. For with the judgment we make, we will be judged. And the measure we give will be the measure we get. Fair to fair and same to same. Amen. And let us pray. Lord, we know we fall far short of your glory and we know that you know that about us. Yet we also know that you came not to condemn us but to save us, to restore us, to redeem us. As we have been forgiven, let us be forgivers. As we have received your mercy, let us share mercy. Lord, teach us in our heads, in our hearts, in our souls, in our actions.
to live in your way. And so to your honor and glory, we pray it in Jesus' name. Lord, hear our prayer.